Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The OG from the North Side is back in the news. Plus, certain crimes are down, but not this one. And how far are you willing to go to stop people speeding in your neighborhood? I'm talking about these stories and more with former HISD teacher and Texas State Senate candidate Karthik Sura. It's Tuesday, February 6th, 2024. I'm Rahil Ramzanli, and here's what Houston's talking about. Karthik, welcome into CityCast Houston. How are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Rahil? I'm doing all right. It's a Tuesday. You know, we're off to a good start for the week, so I'm happy. Now, before we jump into our biggest story and some rapid fire stories that I'm excited to get your opinions on, you got to tell me, District 15, that's where you're running to represent in the Texas State Senate. When I hear these districts, I mean, they are so massive. Like, tell me about your district. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, it is over 949,000 people. So people don't know this. We make everything big in Texas. But Texas state Senate districts are actually 250,000 people larger than congressional districts. Wow. And so it's uh, it's also, a, you know, a little bit of like a, it's this weird hook thing. So it starts off in like Bel Air, Myerland, goes up to Westview, Montrose, the Heights, Acres Homes, uh, IAH, and then it loops around to Humble and Pleasantville. And uh, not to get too political, but it, it's, it's, it's a 70% majority minority district. I'd be the first minority to ever represent it. It's a, it's a lot of different people from all over the world inside of it. That is so fascinating that you have to represent so many different communities. And as you mentioned, 70% minorities. But within that, you've got different types of communities and neighborhoods that all have different needs. And it's kind of wild that one person has to represent that. Like, can we break that up? Can we get a little bit more representation there? (laughs) Yeah, I I do think uh, it probably wouldn't be a popular thing for adding more politicians (laughs) to the legislature, though maybe it would be a little bit, I think, common sense when you consider how large this is. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's been great to just go to like communities as disparate as Acres Homes to Atascacita and Montrose to Meyerland and just like chat with people about their needs because they're so different, right? Some yeah. people care a lot more about walkability. People care about gun violence. People care about reproductive freedom. And it's just a different mix all over the district. And um, the one great thing is our city has amazing food and I get to eat it at every single one of our <laughs> our neighborhoods. And Yeah, that might be one of our food episodes. We have to do a district breakdown for food, like who has the best food uh on the state Senate district. So maybe that's something we do down the road, man. But today, let's talk about some of the big news in our city. And Karthik, since you are the guest, why don't you start us off? What is your biggest story for the week right now? I would say that one of the biggest stories is the fact that, uh, you know, after three years of the economy kind of going to to crap and like, you know, everyone's like net worth stock market wise, just interest rates rising and stuff, like being able to see that actually the economy is finally starting to do better. But one of the things that I have seen across the district is like food prices are still wild. 
like you want to buy tacos at restaurants, like just buying groceries, there's still really, really high sticker prices. And so I think um, the story of the week is probably that the uh, Houston economy is doing better, um, but that we're still needing to do a lot more about food prices for working class Texans across the nation. Yeah, we talked about that on Friday, that groceries in the city of Houston are some of the highest in the nation. In fact, the average bill was number two to behind to Miami. And it just seems like while I keep hearing these numbers that the economy is doing better, and it is, right, like based on these numbers, I feel like prices are still very high. Like we never have rebounded from that big spike a couple of years ago where everything just jumped up because gas prices were going up. So everyone just raised their prices. And I knew this was going to happen, right? In that once you get to a certain level, you're like, I'm going to start charging $5.99 for tacos. We'll use that example. You're not going to go back to $4.99 because everyone is accustomed to paying $5.99 and it's just going to stay there. Now, I know in the greater economic sense, like, I don't know what the numbers mean or I I don't understand like, hey, can we take it back down? But just from a human perspective, we're not taking those prices back down. And it seems like we're still going to have to deal with these inflation numbers around. And you're walking around the city and talking to people. That seems to be a big deal still. No, I definitely agree on that. And I think that one of the bigger things, um, even bigger than that, is also housing affordability in Mm -hmm. the city of Houston. It used to be the case that, like, you know, we had pretty decent rents and we have like a whole bunch of people who have come from other states and we welcome them. And But I think the problem is that housing supply hasn't kept up because of the fact that after COVID, a lot of construction was paused. And when we raised interest rates in the Fed, we weren't able to build the housing supply out. So now we have a ton of people here, not enough housing supply. And one of the solutions I think is very common sense is that downtown is only at 50% of its pre-pandemic peak. So we have a lot of corporate real estate that's there. And so I think retrofitting a lot of that to make downtown a much more appealing place by creating more housing there. You could probably figure out how to, what to do with all those tunnels. But I think just passing like a, a tax credit or some kind of retrofit to make it easy for developers to convert commercial buildings to housing, and this is something that could also be done in all the other metros in the greater Texas area, is one idea that I think is a bipartisanly popular idea because people, the rent's too darn high. Yeah, the rent is too dang high. And you know what? (laughs) Interest rates are too dang high as well. And everybody keeps saying that it's an election year and they're going to go down. But I think that's another major factor as well. Somebody who who was in the market, who is, you know, who has gone through this process, the interest rates were definitely one of the hurdles uh, of us figuring out which house to buy. And it still is like, you know, the fear of I don't know what's going to happen with these interest rates, because a lot of people who just bought houses right now, they're all planning to refinance down the road because there's this, you know, unicorn out there supposedly that the rates are going to fall down. But who knows? You know, that's the scary part. And, you know, housing affordability, I think, is the biggest issue, it seems like, for a lot of people, in addition, just affordability in general. So that is definitely something we'll watch out for. Okay, my biggest story is that Houston auto theft is on the rise, according to new data. Now, auto thefts went up about 15% in 2023, 16% based on a Houston Chronicle investigation. So while other crimes are dipping a little bit, auto theft is on the rise. And in fact, Dana Hitzman, the commander of the Houston Police Department's Auto Crimes Division, said in an interview with the Chronicle that the increase is due to the ease of stealing several types of vehicles, the growth of city's population, and also organized auto theft groups operating locally. Now, going back to that point of the ease of stealing vehicles, 
Kias and Hyundais, I didn't know this was the deal, but you can steal them with just USBs. Now, both companies do offer security upgrades and insurance companies actually won't even cover your Kia or Hyundai. So if you have a Kia or Hyundai and you haven't gotten the security upgrade, please get it done ASAP. So you can uh, hopefully you're still covered or you can continue your coverage with your insurance company. So that's one of the factors. Now, the, the one number, Karthik, I couldn't find is how many of these vehicles that are stolen are recovered by authorities? Now, in this Chronicle story, they're only using certain people's perspectives. And they said that they usually don't even hear back from authorities after they file that initial report because it's so hard to find these vehicles. So I'm curious, like, what is that number like? But I, I just found this fascinating that everyone keeps saying that, like, oh, my God, auto theft is on the rise. And like my car, I'm so afraid something's going to happen. And sure enough, the numbers back that now. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I have a Hyundai. Um, my wife and I share a car. So uh, <laughs> when you sent me that article, I was like, uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, also, fun fact, um, we get in a discussion because my whole defense against uh, car theft has always been keeping my like the outside of our car really like dirty because I figured no one's going to steal it. But my yeah. wife is, is not a fan of that strategy. And that's definitely not something that Houstonians should have to do. I think um, I have noticed that the mayor is interested in trying to consolidate a lot of police departments like Metro Police, et cetera, et cetera, to, to lower inefficiencies in terms of information sharing. I think that's something that could help potentially in terms of clearance. Um, I also think that one of the issues is that a lot of um, detectives don't really come from a lot of local communities. And I think in order to really solve a lot of crimes and just increase clearance rates, we just have to have a better relationship between law enforcement and the communities that they serve in. And so that's one of the things that I'd want to work on in the legislature. But it's definitely very alarming to see auto thefts increasing like this. And I do wonder as like technology progresses, will we be more vulnerable in terms of like cybercrime with like USBs and stuff? And I think that's one of the things that we're going to have to make sure that we focus on in terms of uh, making sure that companies rapidly apply patches uh, just like they do in terms of uh, like software online. Yeah, that's going to be something that they have to get done ASAP. And as I mentioned, Kia and Hyundai both are saying that if you haven't gotten the security upgrade, you can definitely you know speak to them. They will provide it. Even if you have the upgrade, they're like, we'll just give you a steering wheel lock as well, just to be like super safe about all of this. So I had no idea that they were vulnerable to just getting stolen with the USBs. That's incredible, but it makes so much sense, right? Like, as you mentioned, as we go to a more technology-based vehicle, there's going to be ways to you know, get those cars based on technology, just like you can steal data off of computers and websites, you can steal cars with just that one port that is mind blowing to me. So if you have those cars, please make sure you reach out to your manufacturer and make sure you are good to go because that is scary. Agreed. It's like that meme. It's like grab your keys, grab your car <laughs> because they're stealing all the Kias right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Gangsta Mac, a.k.a. Mattress Mac, is back in the news. We talked about this last week as well. He put out another video, and everyone knows Mattress Mac by now. And sure enough, people are mixed on this. This time, Mattress Mac started off by making some lean. And if you don't know what lean is, it's a popular drink in the city of Houston, which mixes Sprite, some uh, medicine. Okay, I'm not gonna say which type because I don't want people to go try it, but you can look it up. And then you mix Jolly Ranchers. So he mixes up the Sprite and Jolly Ranchers. And then, you know, he just starts firing off all of these H-Town references from the hip hop scene. And 
Some people thought it was funny, while others were like, hey, Mattress Mac, you're like really, one, promoting drug culture, and two, you're perpetuating a stereotype. Have you watched it? Have you watched either of them, the first one and the second one? And what are your thoughts on these? Uh, I watched some of it. I think that we as Houstonians get kind of frustrated because we have a great city, right? Like we have an amazing city, but the national media doesn't really ever really cover it. And uh, when we do get representation, I think like last year it was like Love is Blind and Mo, which I loved. But it always inevitably is about like, oh, you know, lean purple drink. Um, And, you know, I appreciate all the charitable stuff that he's done. But like, I do think it's a little questionable that like you got to be that starved for attention sometimes to, to be a little thirsty you know, like I remember he got criticized and he wrote this op-ed in the Quran that was just like, how dare you criticize me? And I just feel mm-hmm. like this is we, we get kind of frustrated sometimes when we see young people that are like, I just want to be a TikTok influencer. And it's just kind of funny that like this man from like a baby boomer generation clearly wants to do the same. <laughs> yeah. It, it, like when I saw the second one, I was like, Mac, what are you doing? I, and look. A lot of my friends were like, this is awesome. This is great. And I, I said this last time we talked about it. Maybe it's the whole website that he created. Like that kind of has soured my you know, opinion on Mattress Mac a little bit. And it's not as funny or cute anymore. But I was just like, come on, Mac. Like you don't have to do this. And it, somebody on his staff step in and say like, Mac, what are we doing here? Come on. There's a better way to get this message out. And you know, to their credit, though, they're going viral and people are seeing it. And again, how many people are actually going in to buy furniture based on that video? So that's something that we'll find out. But man, ooh, this one was kind of rough. And by the way, I've linked it in our show notes. So if people want to watch it, you can definitely watch it. Yeah, I do kind of wonder if like, maybe he should just switch back to those TikTok videos where you just surprise somebody with money. I feel like everybody loves that. Just go back. Yeah, the good old days. (laughs) Or just surprise people with mattresses. Everybody loves mattresses. There you go. Yeah. How about that? Instead of saying the old homie from the north side. I was like, come on. Okay. H-Town is going to be hosting seven World Cup games in 2026, including two elimination games, one in the round of 32 and one in the round of 16. Now, this is going to be the biggest World Cup ever as the field advances to 48 teams. And the energy here is going to be outstanding. I can't wait for this. So how pumped are you to potentially watch a World Cup match here at NRG Stadium? I am super duper, 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 duper pumped. I already uh, like uh, <laughs> told my wife we're uh, going to be renting out some of our rooms for Airbnb. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, I do think that like uh, this is going to be a really big boon for our city. It's a major food city. Um, like as, as I've been saying, just an entertainment city and just like just getting the world's best teams to be here. That's going to be amazing. And I really want to hand it to uh, the whole because I think this is the U.S., Canada and Mexico all yeah. working together to host all of this. And so I think this is just like a, a triumph of cooperation. And I really I felt really bad. I know people are going to be like, who follow like football, soccer are going to be like, how the hell were you astonished when we got eliminated? But like. I, I really hope we can go all the way, baby, this time and USA can win it and just make history. And, it, and it'll oh, be that'd Houston, be so, so awesome. excited. That's one yeah. of my sports goals is to see the US win the World Cup. Like that would be phenomenal, right? Um, the only thing the, better... The Men's World Cup, yeah. The Men's World Cup, yes. Yeah. Um, the only thing better in terms of getting seven games would be that either Mexico or the U.S. play in one of those seven games here in the city of Houston because those are going to be hot tickets right there. 
Yes. When do they go on sale, right? Like, I just want to bite now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure when they go on sale. I know they still have to announce the draw, which will be later next year. So we still have some time here, right? It's two years until it starts. It's going to be the summer of 2026. So we still have to get the draw out. And then I think tickets will go on sale. But yeah, I want to get it somehow, some way right now. I just want to secure my tickets. I promise I'm not going to resell them because they are going to be really expensive. I just want to go to one World Cup match without spending like an additional $7,000 to go travel overseas. So this is really cool that it's right here in our backyard. Agree. One other question I have is, uh, I remember with like Cutter, one of the wild things was like 110 degrees into the AC, the stadiums. Um, I imagine we're around like last summer was like, epically bad right yeah i wonder if we're gonna have to do the same thing and if we've prepped for that so luckily nrg is closed the stadium roof is going to be closed and i think most of the stadiums that are playing the matches are closed roof although the final is going to be at metlife stadium in new jersey where the giants and the jets play but usually in the northeast the weather isn't too bad in the summer like you can still do matches And I think those matches will be at night regardless. So the the final will be at night. So I think we should be okay because all the other cities have stadiums that have roofs that close. So we should be okay. And there's no heat dome, hopefully, this year either. (laughs) Yeah, God willing. Um, Okay, I got to say this as a Texan. Like, we have all the cities in the United States to choose the final to be at. And in Mexico and Canada. And we chose Jersey. Yeah. It was supposed to be Dallas. It was supposed to be in Dallas. All the rumors were like, it's going to be at Jerry's World in Dallas, AT&T Stadium. And for whatever reason, last minute, they changed it. And I'm happy. You know what? I'm happy Dallas doesn't get that. I know as a <laughs> Texan, it would have been awesome to see our state get it. But I don't I don't want them to see that success. <laughs> How does the Houston rivalry work? Right? Like we got to rep Texas, but then we also hate Dallas. So in this case, I guess we root yeah. for Jersey versus Dallas. Yeah, uh, it's, look, Dallas is just Southern <laughs> Oklahoma. So sorry, that's fair. We, we get to keep the rest of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our final rapid fire story here. We might be getting air taxis by the World Cup, by the way, in 2026 at our airports. There's these new vehicles called electrical vertical takeoff vehicles, which can hold up to five passengers. And they're almost treated like Ubers. So you can go airport to airport. It might be terminal to terminal. But these, you know, helicopters, basically, electrical helicopters, they roughly cost $5 million per vehicle. And United actually just bought 200 of them in a separate deal. So one, are you going to get on these electrical helicopters (laughs) for your terminal to terminal drop off? And number two, are you pumped about these? Wait, so like instead of using the the train thing, it's going to be like an electrical helicopter that goes from terminal A to terminal B. Yeah, that's what they're that's what they're proposing. And they're thinking by 2026, there's going to be these vehicles. So we're going to be riding them five passengers deep. And some of them will have a pilot and the others are going to be autonomous. So it'll be like a drone, basically. You know what? I'm just going to sit in traffic. I'll just wait and <laughs> I'll just wait and uh, go ahead and sit in my car while it takes like 40 minutes to get to the terminal or park and just take the shuttle in because I'm not trusting electrical takeoff vehicles the first generation. Maybe the third generation I will. You know, I go back and forth because like if you had told me last year like, oh yeah, you can write a research paper using like an AI, I would have been like, what, what are you talking about? And you know, yeah. now it's here and you can write it in like Chinese and Tamil if you want to. So I don't know, maybe technology will be at that place where like, oh, okay, just two years from now. 
I do think I'm going to throw out the policy spiel here. I do think that we need to do a lot more for public transit in the greater Houston area. I think that Houstonians love driving a lot, but we also love biking. We also love being able to walk. We also want to be able to just have the same sort of amenities that other great cities like Chicago, New York City have. And one of the things I want to do is also just like push to uh, connect high-speed rail with all the Texas Triangle. So you can just be able to really easily take a train straight to Austin, Texas and back in one day and just enjoy yourself um, and vice versa. You never need to go to Dallas, so we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but I, I do think that that's something that could lower traffic congestion in the city. And I, I, I think technology is amazing. We should keep pushing the boundaries forward. I just want to make sure that everybody's benefiting from those technologies. And it's not just like, oh, Elon Musk can take his private electric helicopter from one area yeah. to another. So I want to lower all that traffic congestion there. No, for sure. And maybe you'll be the one that can get this Dallas to Houston uh, high-speed rail done because everyone keeps saying it's going to happen and it's coming next year or in a couple of years, but I think it always falls apart. So we'll see if that can actually get done. But that would be awesome to be able to jump on and just get to Austin on a train and not drive two and a half hours. Although then you don't get to stop at Ruscos, which has the best kolaches, so you do miss out on that. But it would be nice to have that amenity there for people. We'll have Risco's uh, sponsor a train car. Yeah, there, <laughs> there you, you go. go. <laughs> On the train, that'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah. All right, every Tuesday, I've got to end with a only in H-Town. And this is a story that is so uniquely us. And this one is super H-Town. So a local man was so tired of people speeding by in his neighborhood that he set up a speed trap and started recording cars going 77 miles per hour to 50 miles per hour in his 30 mile per hour neighborhood. And they started posting them online on YouTube. Mark Gardner set up the system for 200 bucks and was just so frustrated that nothing was being done that he just started to publicly bring awareness to this. Now, he says he's not trying to shame the drivers, which he's a better man than me because I would just shame them. And as I've mentioned me on this podcast before, I do post clips online on our Facebook groups for our school when people start cutting us in line and I'm just like that petty, but I love this. You know what? Take matters into your own hands and like, can we get something done if you're the city? Like, can we fix something here? But uh, this man is like, hey, I'm just putting your all speeding online and then if the city doesn't do anything about it, maybe you guys can shame it into getting something done because this is awesome. No, I definitely agree on the just heading back with what we were saying earlier. I do think that uh, I don't know. Just I used to take the metro to downtown, just like one bus. It took like ten minutes, and like the number of times people just literally tried to run me over and just cuss me out it was just a little mm -hmm. unacceptable. And we're a great city, and I just think that like this poor man shouldn't have to do all this. Though I, I I'm a very petty, so I probably would have just shamed the heck out of everybody yeah. too. <laughs> And this goes deeper into like, can we get something done in the city, right? Like a resident shouldn't have to go through all this trouble to bring awareness. I'm sure he's contacted and I know he has contacted the city saying like, hey, look, we've got this issue here where, you know, people are speeding down our road because we're right off of Chimney Rock in San Felipe. Um, can we please put something here? Can we take care of this? Because people are going 40 miles per hour over the speed limit sometimes and that is dangerous. Like, forget about just the speed. It's just dangerous that you're going through and you've got neighborhoods right there. So hopefully the city actually gets something done with this and they fix this problem. And I, I definitely agree on that. So 
the city has something called Vision Zero, which is an idea that we have zero pedestrian deaths, zero walkability deaths, um, analyzing like the top 40 to 50 most dangerous intersections and understanding how to fix them because those intersections contribute to a disproportionate number of like fatalities. Mm. One of the issues is that the Texas uh, state legislature has funding caps. So all the funding for the Texas Department of Transportation, like 90% of it has to be done on like road building and not mm. necessarily on like both public transit and public safety in terms of providing more speed bumps, et cetera. And so I think we we have like walkable city ordinances that we should be implementing across greater like Houston. And so each super neighborhood has to opt into that. But I do think the greater city opting into saying like, look, um, we've added these speed bumps in different neighborhoods uh, in a quote, quote, road diet in like the Heights. Well, let's try and apply them to, to more areas because people shouldn't have to be doing that. Yeah. And uh, as somebody who like... You know, like I see a lot of signs that are like, like drive like your children around here. Like people need to do that. And um, that's, I think what I hope the next generation of leadership in, uh, in Houston in Texas and the mayor's office and the city council are going to be pushing forward. And I want to help back that. I'll end on this. I've said it before. It's so weird because Houstonians were so nice to each other outside of our cars, but for whatever reason, when we get inside cars, we just lose all decency we lose all respect for our fellow houstonian and we just act a fool when we get in those cars and it's one of the wildest things in the city i have no idea why we do it but it is something that we need to improve on as you mentioned like i hope we can all do this here in the near future hey man that was a lot of fun thank you so much for joining us and best of luck uh right here coming up for you in your race no, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I really appreciate all that y'all do, are doing just to focus on all the city's issues. That was Karthik Sora. You can learn more about his campaign for state Senate with the link in our show notes. And of course, all the stories we talked about are linked there as well. That will do it for today. Thank you for listening. And I hope you learned something new.